We're going to start out in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You have more of that listed in your bulletin, but uh, verse 33 is the key verse there. And that's where Jesus says, and if I turn the right page here, verse 33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And then I hope you'll take your scripture and turn to Malachi chapter 1, and there's Bibles in the pew there. The screen, the words will be on the screen, but there's nothing like opening up your word and reading it in your Bible. Malachi falls at the end of the Old Testament, and this is kind of God's last word to the Israelites before he went silent for some 400 years. And it's, uh, it's kind of a hard book. He's getting on to them. He's, uh, he's striven with the Israelites for a couple of thousand years since he brought them out of Egypt, encouraging them to live for him, to do good by them. He brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He led them into the promised land. Time and time they cried out to him and he saved them from their oppressors, but they continued to drift away with all that he had done for them. And so we've come to Malachi chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up at verse 11, where God says, My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and fails to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God's calling them to the task. They were looking down on the rites of worship that he had given them to do. They were saying it's burdensome, it's too much trouble, it's uh, demanding of us. In spite of all that he had done for them, in spite of how he had saved them over and over again, they're saying worship's too hard. And God's pointing out some of them were giving God their second and maybe their third, fourth, and fifth best. They were to give God his best. And our, our scripture, today's scripture in your bulletin talks about from Proverbs. Ah, get there. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. God calls on his people to give him the first of their labor, the first of their crops. And I'm not getting into tithing here. I'm just getting into God expects our best. And he is a God worthy of our best. And we should all understand that and know that. And God is saying that when we do that, he will bless abundantly. 
and our barns will be full and our vats brim with new wine. And so God is, is getting on to the Hebrews here, the Israelites at the end, saying, you've not been doing that. I have done my part, God's saying, and parenthetically, got my tongue tangled. But they were not keeping up their part, and God had worked with them over and over, and let, they'd gone into exile. He brought them back, just on and on, God's blessings. And what he's referring to goes to Deuteronomy chapter 15, where he gave the law back then to Moses. And starting at verse 19, it says, Set apart for the Lord your God every firstborn male from your herds and flocks. Do not put the firstborn of your oxen to work, and do not shear the firstborn of your sheep. Each year you and your family are to eat them in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose. If an animal has a defect, is lame or blind, or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. God expects our best for him. Just as the song we sing, give of your best to the master. But too often we give him our leftovers. Too often we give him what's remaining or what we're casting off, what we refuse. There was a boy coming to church and his parents gave him two nickels. And they told him, now one of these nickels is yours and one's for the Lord that you're to give whenever we're in church. And so the little boy's carrying them in their hands and he comes up to the steps and one of the nickels drops. And he says, sorry, Lord, there goes your nickel. And that's so often how we treat God. For some reason, we can sing and we can praise him how great thou art, that you created the universe, you've done all these things. And we can praise him for the work that Jesus did on our behalf on the cross, how he purchased our soul from, a, from eternity in hell and gave us eternity in heaven through his free gift, through his sacrificial gift. And that was the purpose of these sacrifices that God is calling the people to do, to give the firstborn an unblemished. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. It was to help them to understand what needed to happen, that a perfect, unblemished creature would need to be sacrificed on their behalf so that they could have remission of sin. And so whenever they would, uh, and God called them in Malachi a cheat, whenever they would not give that firstborn, God said, why should I accept this? Would you do this to your governor? Would you give the, the leader of your government the, 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 the off-cast that you don't want anymore that's broken and crippled and lame? What would they do? They'd probably throw you in jail. They sure, surely wouldn't show favor on you. So God is saying to his people, I expect your best. I expect firstborn. But we give him the second. How do we do that? I've prepared a little video. Sue and I had some fun this weekend to uh, try to illustrate this. So you watch as it plays. Doing dishes. Care for it. You know that. I'm 
I'd give you anything. You say you want the moon to tell me, I'll lasso it and pull it down. How about that? That sounds like a good idea to me. All right. Love you so much. Thank you. Boy, this is what I've been dreaming about. But I thought you had one. Well, I, I do. This one is a double compound sliding miter saw with laser guided. It'll really make woodwork and a lot faster. Okay. Hey, can we go check out cabinets in the kitchen department? Sure, but you know I got a better place to find that. Okay, where are we gonna go? How about these? You like these? I want a new suit for Easter. Well, good. I guess I can go get a dress too then. You said you wanted an Easter dress. No. loaded baked potato, and a salad. We got tuna at home. I thought you could have a tuna sandwich. You gotta be kidding. Well, you know, money's tight, hon. We need to cut back, so. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have gotten this. I see my not-too-subtle message wasn't lost on you. At the beginning, I professed my undying love, and I'd pull the moon down for her if that's what she wanted. But when the rubber met the road, I, I get a new miter saw, and she gets used cabinets. I get a new suit, and I try to get her a dress from Goodwill. Some reason she didn't want that. But too often, that's what we do with God.
we give him some time, maybe if we're not too tired, if we don't have something else we want to do. Maybe we think, well, I'll read my Bible before I go to bed at night, and we, we open it up, and the next thing you know, we're asleep. Or we sleep late in the morning, and we hadn't got time to have a devotional. Or we got something to do on Sunday, and we can't even give them an hour in worship. Or like that little boy, we, we take care of all the things we want to do with our finances, and then maybe if something's left over, we might put a little bit in the plate. We give him the refuge that we don't want at our home. It's worn out for us. We don't want it anymore, but hey, I'll give it to the church. The church can use it. And what must God think about that? Here when he's done so much for us, we don't even know all he's done for us. And we've had testimony last week, Bobby shared about how he had that terrible wreck and God saw him through. And others here that he's had protection over and he's preserved you and kept you. And then we just want to kind of make him second best. We don't want to give him our best. We think his house ought to just be okay and and, and not be so so nice, and, and we put up with things that we wouldn't put up with in our own home. Now, it doesn't need to be a Taj Mahal gold-encrusted, but it should be well cared for. It should be taken care of, and it is. it speaks to people whenever they come to our place of worship and they see that we care enough about God's house to take care of it and do what's right. And so we, we come to this place where we have to face, are we giving God our best? Are we yielding everything to him? And so there's a step we have to take, and I, I've done up a little acrostic called ACT that we can go by in order to do that. And the first thing we have to do is we need to acknowledge that we're not giving God our best. We need to be honest with ourselves. I'm, I'm keeping most of it for myself, whether it's my time, my finances, my abilities, and I'm not placing him first. And it's not an amount as much as it's an attitude that the first thing we think of is God, and the first one we want to please is God, and God expects that of us. And so we have to acknowledge the first step to any kind of improvement is acknowledging where you are and being honest with how you're interacting with God and, and with others. And then the next thing is need to confess it. Need to admit to God, Lord, I've not been placing you first and you, you, you're looking to me to give you the best of all that I have and to give you my effort. And you know, I, I grew up reared that you dress your best for church, and I'm not getting into dressing casual or not what I'm talking about. Because when I grew up and I was reared, if you had overalls and that was your best clothes, that's what you wore for God, and they were clean and ready to go, that you didn't come looking like you'd been through a mud pit, that you tried to clean up. And so you did your best, whatever your best is. And for some people, that is a nice suit. Maybe you can afford Gucci or some of those other people. Or, but uh, if, if uh, 
jeans and a, and a nice button-up shirt is the best you have, then that's the best you give God. So it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. It's what you can do for God, what's your best, and you know within your heart whether you're doing the most you can do for Him. Same thing, you know, we, like I said, we'll spend on anything and everything. We'll go out to eat, and going out to eat is a ton of money anymore. And, and then our, the house suffers, house of God suffers because we can't take care of things. And so each of us need to go before the Lord and, and confess that he is not first in our life and whatever we're doing. And then the third is to turn. And to turn, I mean repent. Repenting is moving in one direction, whatever we're doing, and then and going the other way. Act. We can't just uh, hope to do better. I, you know, I can't hope I'm going to lose weight. I have to eat less food and exercise. I have to take action. And so in serving the Lord and, and becoming a better servant, a better steward of Him, I need to act. And I act first by acknowledging that I'm falling short. I confess it to Him, and then I change my ways. When I was a boy in college, young man in college, attending First Baptist Atlanta, and Dr. Stanley could lay some good sermons on you, and if you've listened to them, you know that to be true. I came to a point in my life that I really was feeling guilty for what I wasn't doing for God. And I became overwhelmed. I thought, Lord, there's just too much that I need to get straightened out. And I just kind of shut down. Kind of you know, I talk about, you know, heart going into fibrillation to where it just can't pump because it's just quivering so much. And I, I, was there, I was in that state for a little while, just not, not really trying to do anything, not knowing what to do. And then I, it either came to me, I probably heard a message that encouraged me to ask God what he wanted done. You see, he knows what a mess I am. He knows all the things that need to be fixed. He knows that I need to clean up my language. He knows I need to manage my finances better. He knows I need to treat other people more honestly and fairly. I need to drop all pressure. He knows all these things that maybe other people don't see in my life. And I became overwhelmed uh, just thinking I can't do it all. But then... I went to him and just said, God, what is it you want to fix? Where do you want to start, Lord? What is it that is most critical in my life that you want to see addressed? And he shared with me. He told me. You know, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know us not. And Jesus says, I am going away, but I'm going to send a comforter, and the comforter will teach you all things. And, and the comforter being the Holy Spirit and dwells within every Christian to give us the mind of God. And so we can ask him, and he wants to tell you what he wants you to do to straighten out, to become more of a faithful servant for him, more of a steward of what he's given to you. So the first thing is asking. And then the next part of that is to listen. We have to listen. And it's, it's frustrating, I know, because we want him to speak 
like I'm speaking to you right now. We'd like it that clear, but God doesn't work that way. He's not going to shout it at us. He says it in a still, small voice. And he taught Elijah that when Elijah was wondering where God was. And God puts on this big display of a storm and an earthquake, and it says God wasn't in the mist. And then there's a soft breeze, a still, small voice. And Elijah went out to listen because he knew it was the voice of the Lord. Very often when God speaks, it's an impression. It's, it's an idea. It's not so much, Wes, thou shalt do so and so. It's, it's, a, it's just something comes to mind. And what happens in that is it, I've asked God, and God says he's promised he will tell me. And so when I hear that, whatever it is, I need to believe that that's God speaking. And part of that believing that it's God speaking is believing that if I hear wrong and I start moving in this direction in the wrong way that God will, I can trust that he'll stop me and get me going in the right direction if I'm sensitive to his leadership. If I want to serve him, then if I do happen to choose wrong and move in a direction that he'll put hindrances, he'll speak to my heart, He'll tell me that's not the way to go, and then I can I can turn and I in another way. So we start out by asking God, "What is it you want?" I can I can think of a million things that I need to address, and I do to get closer to Him, to be more Christ-like in attitude and speech and just all parts of life. But there's something that God knows is primarily standing in the way of my walk with Him. And he wants to reveal that to me. And know what's going to happen? Once I get control of that or start getting mastery, then God will tell me the next thing that he wants cleaned up and the next thing. And it seems like it can be tiresome because I'm, I'm constantly working on something. But the thing is, the blessings come because as I address these things that are a hindrance to God working in my life, I'm growing deeper in my walk with him. I'm growing more Christ-like. And as he's promised in his I'm receiving things because I'm walking in the path that he wants me to walk. He's promised that over and over again, that as we serve him, just as it says in Proverbs, that he is a father, a good loving father that wants to bless his children. He wants to do good for us, but he's also a good father and he's not going to enable bad behavior. And so as we ask him what he would have us to do, as we hear it and respond to it believing, as we believe him and then commit to doing that, that's the, where the rubber meets the road. And it may be, I'll use an example in, in giving, uh, giving back to the Lord, that he may be saying, I, I want you to be more faithful in your giving. And, you know, if you're like most of us, you're spending every penny you got. We all get that. We, we take on too much debt. We take on too many responsibilities or too many pleasures. 
And so I, I, this is West speaking, not necessarily scripture, but I think it's in keeping with what God wants in a step of faith that you say in talking to the Lord, Lord, what would you have me give? And if God says, I want you to give $5 every week, maybe that's a big step for you, that you do it faithfully, that you commit to obeying him on that. And then not only are you giving that, but you're trying to control. You're not getting that, that $10 burger anymore. You're not spending $30 on a meal or whatever it is you're spending. You're controlling your finances and obeying God and what he wants to do. And I'm convinced, and I know experientially, he will bless that action. And then as you grow in that, yes, he's going to say, okay, I want you to trust me for $10 a week. Because it's about faith in God. He wants us to have faith that he can meet our needs. We will meet our needs. He will provide. And so as we take these steps, he takes us deeper. And it's not just finances. It can be in our emotions and something that's hurting us. Something we're, we've been dealing with that we just haven't been able to let go. That he says, I want you to forgive, perhaps. Or I want you to step out where you've been living in fear and step out in faith. And as we take that scary step and maybe nobody knows about it or to other people it seems like nothing but for us it's a big step. As we take that step and honor him he starts a healing process. He starts mending our hearts. He starts dealing with our past, with our hurts. And we can then step out in another way. And we grow closer to him. We have his strength flowing through us more and more. He has promised he will and he will bless as we move out in commitment to him. So whatever it is, the start today is to act. That if you are hearing these words and you want to see God working more in your life. You want to see God working more in your church. You want to see God working more in your community. And you realize that you've been holding on to things or you've been holding back that you acknowledge that, you confess it, and then you say, okay, Lord, where do you want me to step out? And it can be, it'll be unique for each individual. What you need to step out on is not what I need to step out on. What a new Christian needs to trust in God is not what a person who's walked with God for 60, 50 years needs to trust, probably. But each one saying, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I'm believing that you're wanting me to yield this to you, and I'm going to step out in faith doing whatever you've asked me to do. And then watch and see if God doesn't provide. If you turn to Malachi chapter 3, that's where God says, trust, try, prove me in this and see if I will not pour out a blessing so big that your vats cannot hold it all, that your storehouses can't hold it. God is wanting to bless you. He wants to do that for you as a good loving father but he's waiting for you to release and trust him so that he can do that. And so that's my encouragement for all of us today, individually, to step out like that. But also as a church, 
to step out believing of what God would have us to do. God's called Campbellsburg to a particular ministry. He's placed us in this community. We've been in this building since 1915, and the church existed before that in Campbellsburg. And God didn't do that just so you'd have a place nearby to worship. He did it so that we could proclaim around all of us the good news of Jesus Christ, that others may know these blessings that we're enjoying. So as a church that we trust and we step out, and it's going to stretch us because God wants our faith to grow. When you get down to it, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our possessions. He doesn't need our bodies, really. We need it. God can do whatever he wants. He can speak it and make it happen. But he's chosen to set up a system where he uses his people in his work so that they're blessed, they grow deeper, and they touch the lives of others. Over and over again, if you will read in Scripture, most of the time God works in somebody's life. It's another individual that ministered to them. There are those times in Scripture where God's touched down and intervened and did a special work, but over and over again, it's one of his people serving another. And so as we do that as a church, it will honor God, and God will start opening blessings. If we live a life of selfishness personally or corporately, God will dry up the storehouses. He's not going to honor that kind of life. And so as we move forward in 2022, that's the encouragement for each one of us to live more for him and to take that tiny step of faith and say, Lord, what do you want fixed in my life? And I'll yield that to you faithfully. I'll commit to it. And then as we see him work, it grows our faith to trust him in bigger things and another step and we see him opening his storehouses it has happened it can happen it will happen as we live for him as we trust him in all these things we have another scripture that I, I put up the scripture there in Proverbs uh, back up here one more I, I wanted you to read that honor the Lord. It is an honor when we give him our wealth, the first fruits of whatever it is. All of our fruits are different, different amounts, different quantities, but when we give the first of that, the best of our crops, the best of our labor, the best of our heart, then he will bless. In this case, in this agrarian society he's talking to, that the barns would be filled with, with, uh, with whatever they're growing or that their herds would grow. Whatever you're doing, God will bless. He'll open doors for you of, of work. He'll open prom promotions. He'll do anything. And one of the ways he can bless you is to give you good health. How valuable is that, to have good health? You can't put it in a bank but it saves the bank because you're not spending as much at the hospital. There are many ways God will bless if we'll just trust him. And then as Jesus said there in 633, he encourages us, 
quit trying to fix life ourselves. Quit, quit trying to hoard it and seek his kingdom. And then all these things will be given to you as well. The scripture tells us the Father knows your needs. He knows what you need. He knows your wants. And he'll provide them as you'll allow him to and trust him. And when you do, it's a sweeter gift than you could ever receive, ever do on your own. It's a joy and a pleasure. So I hope you'll act today by acknowledging, confessing, and turning, and then by asking God, listening, believing, and committing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, on behalf of all of us, I confess our sin of giving you our leftovers, of giving what I don't want anymore, what I'm throwing away, of saying you ought to be satisfied with this God. We do that too much. So Father, I pray that each one is asking you, acknowledging and asking you for forgiveness because you're an individual God. We can pray corporately, but you deal with us individually and each one of us need to come to that throne of grace, confessing, believing, and turning. Father, we thank you for all you've done for us, all the blessings. Lord, we're in a different place than we were a year ago. Laughter, joy, improvement, dry, no mold, with things out in front of us that we wouldn't have imagined. Lord, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for wanting to do more in our lives. I pray that you would help us to trust. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're changing the hymn to I am thine, O Lord. Maybe you're not the Lord's. Maybe he isn't yours. Maybe you haven't taken that first step of believing in him. He is a loving God. He, he's, you know, there was a mad magazine I saw. I used to read those as a boy. And there was a person walking along that most of us would dismiss. And the artist drew like a big hand of God coming down out of the clouds with his finger ready to thwack him on the head. Sometimes we feel like that's what God's wanting to do, waiting to do, is to shut us down. But he isn't. He's wanting to build you up. And he provided his son to cover your sins by his death on the cross, and that's the first step of believing. If you hadn't done that yet, I encourage you to talk with me or let me get you with someone else. Find someone else you know to share with you that wonderful news. And then Christians, the rest of our life is growing in a deeper faith to him. If you need to pray about these things, if you need to speak with someone, I'll be up front here, always ready.